Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up, everybody? Welcome in. It is GC Live Tuesday episode of the show. I am Wes Mitchell, joined by our special guest today. It is my buddy Chris Pascal. He uh, he wears many hats. We're calling him uh, Gamecock Central columnist. He also is uh, an attorney at Goins Law Firm. Also has his own podcast, has his own website that he writes for as well, Front Porch Football. And uh, Chris and I actually, our paths cross with many people I've noticed, man, because our our presenting sponsor here on the show is Clint Hammond and I, I believe that Chris uh, knows Clint uh, clinthammond.com is how you can get more information on Clint 803-771-6933 and before we came on uh, Chris I was asking you if that was a, a BP Skinner suit <laughs> and you can cer- you confirmed that 100% uh, that was a Brent Skinner suit Brent not a sponsor but uh, we love Brent enough. We'll, we'll give him some love anyway, man. Looking very snazzy today, Chris. Appreciate you joining us, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And both Clint and uh, Brent, both great Gamecocks and, and residents of Columbia. No doubt, man. Uh, there's the info for Clint right there. I'll give you a little bit more info on Clint later on. But again, if you're in the market for a new home, give Clint a shout. And uh, if you want to refinance, uh, he can walk you through that process as well. Chris uh, going to join us here today to talk a little bit about uh, game the Gamecocks from a you know his column you, you never know what you're gonna get some days he might be calling for somebody's head the other days he might be going in on the Florida Gators and uh, today he makes his GC live debut um, Chris dude what what did you think of first and foremost Dan Mullins comments uh, this week uh, the Gators have now like canceled all media availability I think they're they're going uh, I don't know they're they're going into hideout right now I think and battening down the hatches but Here's my thing, man. Even if you feel that way, Florida's got so much negativity around the program right now anyway. Why would you open yourself up to such uh, scrutiny this week? No, I agree. And something that's interesting about Dan Mullen over the past couple months is, or past couple years, excuse me, is that he gets more defensive the more times that he should not be defensive, if that makes sense. So, it, when you look at some of the things, I mean, he was going in, I guess, two years ago. I think it was the week after he had just gotten um, embarrassed in the screaming match over um, the Vanderbilt game with with Derek Mason. He's coming in in a in a costume as dressed as Darth Vader. I feel like his instincts and and what Gator Nation is wa- wanting him to uh, perform as and, and act like is just totally off course of what he's doing. Um, you see with Urban Meyer, a, a guy who's a lot more business approach, um, loves to talk recruiting, obviously can't get into specifics of 
of recruits, but would love to talk about recruiting X's and O's. Whereas Dan Mullen, it's almost deflective. Nobody wants to, um, or he doesn't want to talk about kind of his shortcomings. So um, it's, it's one of those interesting things. It's almost like the more he should be trying to have good grace and try and give more uh, information to the, the Gator faithful. He, he kind of back backs his um, self up to the, the door. So. Yeah, and uh, for those who are just joining us, Chris uh, writes a weekly column on, on GamecockCentral.com. It is called The Verdict. Uh, this week in The Verdict, Chris, you were discussing uh, this matchup, in particular South Carolina against Florida. And, you know, the, the two teams came into this season with very different expectations. Um, Florida right now, a 4-4 a four and four football team. And, you know, I think you made the point. You, you think the Gamecock fans are unhappy right now. Just take a take a slight little just walk over to Gator Twitter or to the Gator message boards, and you'll see a fan base that's really ticked off right now, man. So, what's what's your perspective on this Florida team and and maybe how they come into this game? I know the the title of the verdict this week um, is that uh, basically we're we're going to know pretty early in this game how, how it's probably going to play out. Yeah, I think I mean you you watched. Carolina last season and when it became clear that the season was not only over but that that coaching staff had kind of concluded its time in Columbia I feel like that you saw a lot of um, questionable play maybe questionable efforts in terms of how Carolina finished out last season same thing I'm, I'm starting to pick up from not only Gator Twitter but um, some of the guys that really follow that program David uh, Waiters being one of them um, with Gator breakdown, I mentioned in the post, he was saying, I don't know how mentally strong this team is right now. I don't know if this is a team that is going to show up in Columbia when it's cold out against a team that hopefully has a lot more fight than what we're going to be um, kind of putting on the field earlier in the game. So I, I think there's definitely a chance that if you can land a couple of haymakers, if you can get a kickoff return for a touchdown, get a huge sack, interception, something along those lines, you might be able to put Florida on the ropes and really kind of get them to the point where they don't want to be there anymore. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the beginning portions of of the verdict, one of the things that Florida fans and, and Gator players love to talk about is in all kinds of weather. They'll show up in all kinds of weather, whether it's raining, whether it's hot, whether it's cold. And I, I don't know if we're going to see that after the month of October that Florida had losing to Kentucky, losing to LSU, um, and then obviously getting curb stomped against Georgia. So um, I think I think we're, we're going to see pretty early on whether there is some resolve, whether, whether there is some fight um, with this Florida team. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, Chris, this – I mean, it's not like the Gators have been awful under Mullen. Uh, you know, they, they played for an SEC championship last year. But it, it just shows you again how quickly – it can turn, but their, their record against power five schools and the, I, I can't remember the exact number, so I'm not going to throw it out there, but their last 10, 11, 12 games against power five schools, uh, the, the record is awful. So I, I think it just goes to show you, you, unless you're winning national titles and even that doesn't necessarily buy you um, just years and years of goodwill. Ed Orgeron. Play, what was that? Ed Orgeron. Yeah, exactly. If you you know if you're if you're in a one of these sort of premier programs where they have, uh, let's be honest, uh, somewhat insane expectations. If you're not matching them, uh, they're gonna they're gonna go after you uh, pretty quickly. And we're we're seeing that with Florida right now. But I I like your point, man, about about Mullins. Just his, his personality. Just like I think Ed O has some things 
maybe some off the field stuff is is hurting him. Um, I think Dan Mullen's personality. If he was a likable guy, would this be a little bit uh, different vibe from the fan base? Maybe not, but you'd probably at least have a few more people coming to your aid. Well, something that um, I think it was David Waiters again, but uh, I might be wrong on that. Um, something that he posted on Twitter earlier today is that the Dan Mullen that got off the plane back in uh, early 2018 or maybe late 2017, uh, whenever the, that hire was officially made. But the guy that got off that plane is a lot different from the guy that they have currently in Gainesville right now. Back 2018 in that in that inaugural season for Dan Mullen, he's talking about wanting to compete, whether it's whether it's on the football field or in a thumb uh, wrestling contest. Now all of a sudden it's well we don't I don't talk, want to talk about recruiting until it's recruiting season. I don't want to um, blame other guys who who are making mistakes, but then constantly referencing the defensive staff and their shortcomings. So I feel like the fight in Dan Mullen has definitely kind of changed over the past few years. Something that we've seen for multiple <laughs> multiple uh, coaches in Gainesville as as time goes on. So um, I don't I don't know what this weekend is going to look like. And I tried to make that clear in uh, my post this week, but something that I think could potentially happen is if Dan Mullen's able to get a, a rallying of it's us against the world. Let's fight. Let's get to an eight win season. Let's, let's be a, be a contender, be a fighter. You might be able to see Florida put up some, some big numbers against Carolina, but I just have my doubts that this team is, is in that mindset right now. I think it's more of a, let's just get this season over with and hopefully we can move on into 2022. Well, and you know, you referenced that article with the athletic man. I mean, there, there is not a four letter word that is worse to call a football team than soft. So, you know, if, if, if people start throwing around the word soft about your football team, that's uh, I mean, those are fighting words. Like we'll, we'll see, like it, I, I agree, man, it could go one way or the other as far as how they respond to what's going on outside their doors. We don't know what's going on inside their doors, but dude, I mean, on, on paper, Florida 18, 20, you know, they're, they're almost a three touchdown favorite on paper. Right. Florida absolutely should beat South Carolina, but this is sort of that that outside element that doesn't necessarily come down to necessarily talent. That uh, you know, like you said, man, I agree. It could go completely one way or the other, depending on if they're able to rally the troops or not. Uh, hey, put on your fan hat here, fan only hat, not uh, not analyzing, nothing like that. Are you? Would you be more excited going to the game if you knew you were going to get a look at Jason Brown? Or, um, or or not necessarily. I would be more excited. It well to answer your question. I don't think that would really change my excitement level. Um, I would be more excited if going into the game you heard something. And obviously, he's not going to say this, even if it is true. Um, but if you heard something along the lines of these guys that we've heard for years now in recruiting Marshawn Lloyd, Jordan Birch, man, he had an amazing practice. I think he's really going to come onto the team. We're going to start him at running back. We're going to start him at defensive end, whatever the case may be. Um, quarterback, I mean, Jason Brown is a a guy that put up great numbers in the spring game and obviously had a great uh, conclusion to the A&M game. So I think I would be excited to, to hear that he was starting, but I think it really isn't even coming down to who the signal caller is. It's why haven't we been able to put our best playmakers in positions to make plays? 
um, especially obviously on the offensive side of the ball and with the running backs. So um, I would be more excited to hear, all right, this is this is a week that we're going to heavily feature um, Jaheim Bell, Juju McDowell, Marshawn Moy, these types of guys. But if, if Jason Brown's the one that can get the ball to him, then obviously that will get me fired up. Yeah, and I think you and a lot of Gamecock fans uh, would be just much more fired up to just go watch an offense that just went up and down the field on this struggling uh, Todd Grantham defense. Uh, you know, no, no matter who was behind center, no matter who's catching the football, no matter who's running it, um, you know, I, I've, I've noticed fans have reached like the point of the year where they're saying, well, he's saying the same things. And <laughs> we're at the point, what, what else is a coach going to say in the press right. conferences? You know, like it, it kind of is what it is. Uh, I know you got to get out of here, man. Uh, any final thoughts? I don't know if you got to uh, listen or watch Beamer uh, speak uh, today or not, but uh, I just saw the opening statement where he said uh, Jalen Brooks is still out, and obviously, I think a huge blow. Even with the uh, poor performance of the offensive line, I hated hearing Dylan Wanham is questionable, which makes it sound like he's probably definitely out. So, um, hated hear that as well. Yeah, and any any final thoughts on on this game on this matchup? I'll be there. I'll be uh, bundled up. Hopefully it will be a four-quarter game um, and, and fans can stay in this uh, stadium for a long time. But, yeah, if if I'm the offense coordinator, if I'm this offensive staff, first two drives, are, I think, are critical in defining how this game is going to go. So empty the playbook. Chris, uh, we appreciate it, man. Uh, congrats on your GC Live debut. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. And everybody else out there, go check out the verdict, it is up on GamecockCentral.com right now on the front page and on the Insider Forum. Uh, appreciate it, man. Have a good one, okay? Appreciate it, Wes. Talk to you. Yep. Chris Pascal, Goins Law Firm. Appreciate him. Good stuff. Uh, making his GC Live debut. Again, I'm solo today. Probably a little bit shorter show, to be honest, unless y'all have a bunch of questions. Uh, if y'all have a bunch of questions, we'll get into them. I did see a question a second ago I'm going to go get to. But first, uh, got to tell you all a little bit more about my buddy Clint Hammond. His NMLS number is 71597. You can reach Clint, the letter C, Hammond, at mortgagenetwork.com is his email address. Uh, several other phone numbers there, 803-576-4450, um, 803-422-6797 as well. Clint, the presenting sponsor, right here on GC Live. Um, yeah, so Beamer talking today. And I, I'll be honest, I, I was writing up the report on the quarterback. So I missed probably the final, I don't know, final 15 minutes of the presser, um, final 10 minutes of the presser, whatever maybe the final half, final third was. But um, not not a ton new, not a ton that we didn't expect. Uh, so injury report, Dylan Wadham out more than likely. Uh, quite, well, questionable to be completely accurate um Jalen Dickerson uh is doubtful so uh Wanham questionable Dickerson doubtful Zeb Nolan uh, still up in the air uh here, here's Beamer's quote he said he and Jason both and Colton and Connor all the quarterbacks they need to practice well and compete and show that they're the best person for the job on Saturday night from just a health standpoint with Zeb again this is Beamer talking I think the biggest thing is just the mobi mobility. I mean, he can sit in the pocket and throw. He did that today. But there's a difference between that and then being able to get flushed out of the pocket or you've got to scramble or you've got to go run, how affected he would be, how effective he would be on his knee. Um, he goes on to say that he is making progress, but he needs to continue to make progress 
Beamer says, quote, for us, to me, he needs to be able to do more in practice tomorrow than he did today. Today was good, but just keep taking steps throughout the week of practice. So basically, if you know, if you if you read into that, for, for there to be any chance Zeb Nolan is going to start, then essentially uh, he's going to have to do a good bit more in practice tomorrow than he did today. And, you know, that's something we've been saying pretty much for the last week is that by Wednesday or so, uh, yeah, you, you really, so you have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Those are your main practices going into an opponent. And so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if you don't get your quarterback back in there for Wednesday's practice, your chances of, uh, of that guy playing and playing well, uh, you know, are, are pretty low. Um, so, so that's why, that's why Wednesday for them is going to be so important because that, that would give you two days. That said, I've said this since last week, I really think that this is heading towards a, a Jason Brown start. Um, Jason Brown got first-team reps last week. Jason Brown got first-team reps this week so far. He got first-team reps today uh, as we record this and go live on Tuesday. So, uh, to me... That's the way we're headed. Now, does Jason Brown need to finish this thing out? I said this yesterday. There was a there was a, a game last year. There's a game last year when South Carolina opened up their QB competition going into the Ole Miss game. And everything looked like Ryan Helensky early in that week was going to get a chance to go start. Well, as the week went on, he did not practice well. And they were left no choice but to start um, but to not start Helensky. So, you, you know, I, I think you look and, you know, th- this was a this was a, a deal where the fans, of course, got upset. Colin Hill started again, but uh, the the other guys in the competition didn't necessarily, from what I was told at the time, live up to their side of of getting themselves that opportunity. So, to me, if you look and it all sets up for Jason Brown to start on Saturday, but he's got to he's got to finish it out. He's got to practice well Wednesday. He's got to practice well Thursday. Um, but again, so I, there, there's a question on here. I'm going to hit y'all's questions now. Nikki on Facebook says, uh, "Actually, Nikki, I'll come back to you." There was a quarterback question. Who asked it? Uh, Shane, who would you start at quarterback? I would I would go Jason Brown. Uh, I, I think the mobility that he's going to be able to provide you, especially considering that Nolan, not the most mobile guy in the first place, will be coming off the knee injury. To, to me, uh, you know, some some quarterback talk is not necessarily coach speak, but maybe a little bit of gamesmanship. And at this point in the season, you've not really gotten to see what Jason Brown can do as a starter. You've not gotten to see what he can do in a situation where he can go into the game as the guy with a game plan, uh, you know, matched uh, around him and around his skill set. And, you know, there's a reason Jason Brown did not start to start the year. So I, you know, I I don't, I'm not sitting here saying he should have been playing before or that he necessarily, you know, I'm not saying he hasn't gotten a fair shot. I think he has improved. And I think it just makes sense at this point with Doty out, with Nolan banged up, as I've said uh, really the last week or so, 
if you're going to give Jason Brown a shot, this is the time to do it. Um, this is a, a Florida defense that is going to uh, really try to get after the quarterback. Uh, Ty Grantham, known for his, his, his blitzing, known for his pass rush, known for um, doing exotic things on third down. South Carolina obviously has struggled in pass pro. So for, for me, having that little added element of a guy who can move around, a guy who can run around, um, can extend plays, can get the football down the field, is certainly something South Carolina is going to need if they're going to have any chance to go win this game. Now, the big question for, for Brown and for South Carolina is that you have to be able to minimize the mistakes. And by that, we mean minimize the turnovers because that's been an issue dating back to preseason. That's been an issue in practice. Um, and it was part of the reason that that Brown was not really necessarily um, in the running to, to be the starter right off the bat. Uh, let's see. Let me hit on a couple more of y'all's questions. Um, let's see. Uh, Jamie says, I don't think he's going to announce a starter. Make Florida prepare for both. I, I agree with that 100%. I think you just wait. Um, let's see. Randy says, if Brown starts, do you start Jenkins with him? I mean, not necessarily. I, I think that goes back to um, that goes back to 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 Jenkins himself. I, I don't think you can tie two players together and say, well, if one starts, you start the other. That's not necessarily fair to the guys that are also at the receiver position. So, you know, I, I think if you are in a situation where where Jenkins is pushing for playing time, which I mean, it, it seems like he is, then yes, you, you want to get Jenkins in there. But do you start him just because Jason Brown is the quarterback? Probably not. Um, Bo wants to know uh, what's holding Amari and Brown back. I, I, I really don't, I don't know. Um, you know, he, he's a guy I had pretty high expectations for as he came in. He's a guy that, um, you know, what was a deep ball threat? Uh, you know, he he actually I mentioned this last week. Amarian played a, a pretty he he played a bit more uh, against A and M, and and while he's been in the slot for most of the year, they had moved moved Amarian out to the outside spot as well. So I, I think they were making a more concerted effort to get him the football, um, to get him on the field, uh, to maybe use him to stretch the field. But you know. Guys, it's it's just it's hard for these receivers to get going when the offense just has not been able to stay on the field for a, a long period of time. Like it, you're not gonna have you're not gonna be able to spread the football around to multiple different receivers if you're not able to make first downs, stay on the field. Uh, you know, there, there's been some games I guess they've been able to do that, but certainly you know against a team like Texas A&M last week where. Uh, again, you go back to the the six yards in the first three plus or, or first almost three quarters, I should say. I mean, if you're not on the field, you're not making first downs. No, nobody's going to get the football. Nobody's going to have a big night. Um, that said, what I have what I have pictured Amari and Brown being a bigger part of this offense as far as production and being a guy who would have played a lot more and caught a lot of more passes when when South Carolina landed him. Absolutely. He was the guy when when they signed him, when they landed him, that you know, they were sort of hoping could could play Shy Smith's role, could be that slot guy who could do a lot of things underneath, could run the slot fades, 
can make people miss, could, could create big plays, and really would be a matchup nightmare in, in one-on-one coverage. That that not necessarily that he was going to be quite to the level of shy necessarily, but that was the skill set that I, I think uh, they recruited him as. So uh, the the fact that uh, you know it, it hasn't he hasn't really gotten the football a lot, yes, ha- has surprised me quite a bit. Nikki wants to know if uh, South Carolina should load the box and dare Florida to throw the football. You know, Nikki, that's – I think they're going to have to do that. I think the the question is, if South Carolina loads the box, are they able to then stop the run? Are they able to slow the run? This is a, this is a Florida football team that is very successful running the football. And I, I have not looked at the most updated stats. I'm going to try to pull that right now. But going into last week, I was doing some like pre – doing some bye week early prep on Florida and, and what to expect from them. I really, to be honest, I had not watched Florida a, a ton this year. Uh, you know, I, I watched some of the, the Florida Georgia game and I, I started reading up on them. And it, here's the thing. They are outstanding in the running game. And even having played Georgia, who we all know is uh They've got to statistically be the best run defense in the SEC, and they are. Georgia's only averaging 75.6 yards, rushing yards per game allowed. Um, So even though now you can factor in the fact that Florida has played that that Georgia defense, Florida third in the conference in rushing offense, um, 242, 243 yards per game on the ground. Um, even more impressive is that they're averaging six point, basically 6.1 yards per carry this year with 18 rushing touchdowns. Uh, they rushed the football 40 times per game. That's top four in the conference as well. Again, top three in overall rushing yards per game and number one in the conference in, um, yards per carry. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that to me, when you look at, this matchup, when you look at South Carolina, when you look at what they do, um, that's a concern. That that is a that is a huge concern. Um, let's see. By the way, this, this kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Florida, this is one of those questions I would normally throw at Chris Clark. Uh, Chris will be back tomorrow. By the way, I was I was off. I thought he was going to be back today. He'll be back tomorrow. He'll be back in the saddle tomorrow. Who uh, who do y'all think – you can't look it up. Don't look it up. Who is first in the SEC in rushing offense? Rushing yards per game. Y'all throw it in the chat. I'll, I'll tell you in a second, obviously. If you're listening to the podcast, I'll give you the answer. But it, it caught me off guard a little bit. There's two teams ahead of Florida that have very, very similar numbers. But the top team actually surprised me a little bit. Um Let's see, we had another question. I'm going to go back to that real quick. Uh, Shane wants to know, do you think the game will go according to if our defense comes to play? Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to put it, Shane. But, you know, I I think the question offensively is can they, can they give you something? Um, can the offense give the defense a chance? And then the question becomes, does the defense come to play? You've got – you've gotten – 
an extra week to look at Florida. You've got an extra week to look at tendencies. That said, this is a Florida team that runs the football and they run their quarterback. Um, I think they run the quarterback. I, I heard this during the broadcast of, of Florida and Georgia. Going into that week, they run the quarterback more than anybody else in the SEC as far as QB run game. So what does that do? That creates an extra gap. That's an extra that's an extra blocker up front, essentially, is what that means that you as a defense have to account for. So you almost are going to have an extra defender in the box regardless. So to, to me, that that's scary for South Carolina because even, even without having the QB run game to, to have to take account for, South Carolina has not been great slowing down the run in SEC play. Has the defense as a whole probably overachieved? In my opinion, yes. But in this particular matchup, is that just a huge concern, huge red flag? Yes, as well. Now, on the other side, I'll look at the South Carolina offense. This is a a Florida defense that has struggled a bit. To me, guys, they have got to keep – they've got to stay out of third and long, and that's that's easier said than done. That's been the case all season long. This is a Florida defense that will – they will play two high safeties on you on, on first and second down. They, they won't necessarily always have that extra guy in the box. They'll give you some opportunities if you can block them up front, if you can block their their six guys in the box, you can run the football against these guys. Now, we'll see if South Carolina can do that, but schematically, they will give you some of those opportunities. Now, the problem with facing a Todd Grantham defense, and, and obviously, you know, he, he's sort of in his, – his job is in jeopardy right now. Um, you know, it, it seems like they're they're probably about to push him out. So uh, that said, the problem with playing a Grantham defense is that if you let them get into third and eight or longer, that's when he draws up all of his exotic stuff. That's when he's going to come after you. That's when he's going to um, sort of put you in a position where where he's going to go get your quarterback. And it's going to be a lot of different ways, a lot of different looks that you haven't necessarily seen. We've seen South Carolina have issues picking up uh, rushers, so it's just it's just not a match good matchup from from that standpoint either. Um, Greg says, "Quit running up the middle on every first down." I mean that that's an oversimplification, Greg. I mean they it, do they do they run the football up the middle some on first down? Yes, but um, but good. I mean, no matter what they did on first down against A and M, it, it was absolutely a struggle as uh, as Foster points out um on YouTube Florida had the most rushing yards on Georgia with 161 I think Beamer said today it was the most um most rushing yards or most total yards I can't remember which most rushing yards I think on them since uh basically since the uh 2019 I think um John says, since you won't answer my question, I, I missed your question, John. If you if you re uh, if you re ask it, I will try to get to it. I'm I'm flying solo, so I'm I'm maybe have not seen all the questions. But yes, to to answer the question from earlier, Travis and Jamie nailed it. Ole Miss and that high flying Kiffin offense, they are actually leading the SEC in uh, rushing yards per game. 
with just under 250. Second in the conference, impressively, is Arkansas with 249 per game, and then Florida with 243 per game. You average up there. And uh, Tennessee fourth, Auburn fifth, Georgia sixth, South Carolina 12th, unfortunately. Last in the conference, as you would expect. uh, Actually, these stats are bookended by Mississippi teams. Mississippi at the top of the league in rushing. Mississippi State at the bottom of the league in rushing. Some of that just because they run the air raid and they don't really run. They don't run the football a ton. They run the football less as far as attempts than anyone else. But also just that they're they're not good at running the football. Mississippi State two point five seven yards per carry. Um, not good. All right. Um, your your other question, John, was would you put Juju in the Wildcat package? No, not not necessarily. I mean, I think that's something you could look at. To me, if I'm direct snapping to someone, I'm I'm snapping to Jaheim Bell. That's the guy. If there's one guy that I'm going to put in the Wildcat and say, I want this guy to see the football more on short yardage, it, to me, it's Jaheim. I mean, I I loved when they handed Jaheim the football as the up back. It's kind of a fullback. And in, to me, anytime, anytime they get the football to Jaheim Bell, it seems like good things happen. So that 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 would be my thought process. You know, I, if anything, I, I want to see some of these other backs finally get a rhythm and get some room and 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 kind of, uh, I don't know, it just feels like the running backs have not found a rhythm all year long. Now, whether that's because of the blocking up front or the scheme or, or what, um, who knows. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm not convinced that Juju – like I think there's a conversation to be had with all those running backs. Who's the best running back on this team? I I, I don't know the answer. I think there's a case to be made with what we saw this past week for for Zaquandre to get the ball more. I I think we saw signs. I, I keep seeing little flashes that Marshawn Lloyd is getting back to his old self. Um. Now that said, we haven't we haven't seen that him break out yet with that big game. But I keep seeing these little flashes where I feel like the explosiveness has taken a step forward. Um, then we all, you know, we've all seen what Juju can do at times. And we all saw what Kevin Harris can do last year. So, you know, as Randy says, uh, each running back has his own skill set. It's hard to say who is the best. I agree. So then I think it comes down to matchups that particular week. It comes down to what plays you're going to be calling on that drive or that set of, of plays back-to-back-to-back when that guy's on the field. It comes down to who is the most healthy at that certain time in the season. We all know your running backs are get banged up. But point being, I think no matter what the reasons are, the running back, not a single, like not one running back out of the group has been able to just really get going and get uh, – in the groove and prove that 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 he's the guy. Like I feel like if we did a poll, if we did a poll, it'd be interesting to see who voted. And, and you could do one, two, three, four. It'd be interesting to see what order the average was for those four guys. 
Because and Juju is good. Don't get me wrong. If you look at the PFF stats, uh, he's not really better or worse than than the other three. Um, I do think the thing with Juju is you're you're sacrificing some power and some size when he is in the game. To me, he is the guy you want to get the football on the perimeter. Um, you know, slot. They've been using him in the slot a little bit. They've been using him on the swing passes outside zone. To me, those are the those are where you need to get him the football. Running the football with Juju up the middle against A and M, that's not really, in my opinion, a great recipe for success. When you have guys like Kevin Harris, although he's banged up against A and M, I think going into that game, we have Zaquandre White, um, you know, and of course Marshawn Lloyd, who, who I thought I thought Marshawn showed some physicality as he powered into the end zone against A&M as well. Um, Ryan says, with the fast athletic running backs we have, I don't understand why they don't run more vertical or crossing routes instead of swing routes or check downs. You know, Zaquandre is a guy that I I think can really help the team in the passing game. I think that's an added element that he gives you. Not that the other guys can't. Juju certainly has proved he can. But he just seems to bring a little bit more in the passing game when um when Zaquandre, when Zaquandre is on the field. Uh Fred asked, do you feel at least one of the running backs will transfer at the end of the season? I, I don't know. I mean, I think any time in this day and age that you have uh, kind of a crowded room and it's not clear necessarily what the pecking order is at that position, then that's always going to be a possibility. Always going to be a possibility. So we'll see. That that's certainly something that that uh that we'll be tracking. Uh, let's see. I, there's a question from Jamie I missed earlier. We see more Debo and more Mo at uh, Debo Williams and Mo Caba, of course, at linebacker. Yeah, I think so. You know, Mo Caba checked into the game. I went back and looked. Um, Mo checked into the game the beginning of the second quarter last week. Um, Debo still didn't go in until late in the game. That was like fourth quarter. Um, Daryl Williams was actually the next linebacker on the field. Um, so the, uh, sorry, I had to read the text real quick, but so yeah, we'll see. Daryl Williams could play more. Mo could play more Debo. Now Debo was on brand. Like when he came in, he was running around, he was busting heads. He was getting after people. Um, I, I think Debo, I think Debo is still just sort of learning this scheme and, and getting comfortable out there. But from a physicality standpoint, the way this dude plays, um, very, very impressive. I, I'm a I'm a huge Debo Williams fan on and off the field. I think he's got a bright future at South Carolina and is a kid that I, I, I for one, hope we see more of um, down the stretch because that means he's gotten to a point of comfortability where he can go out there and, and make plays while still playing within the scheme and not getting – not getting out of his gaps, not getting wild, and, and sort of just going to the football. This show is, of course, also brought to you by our good friends at Dead Soxy. Go check out Dead Soxy, deadsoxy.com. Use the code COCKY to get 25% off your order. Again, that's the code COCKY to get 25% off your order and uh, get some outstanding socks from our friends at Dead Soxy, one of our three main sponsors here on GC Live. The other, of course, uh, Promo Gourmet. Uh, go to promogourmetsc.com. 
and um, let me f- see if I can find y'all a code on that one as well. Um, Chris and I get meals from Primal Gourmet every single week now. If you're in the market to have some meal prep done and not have to worry about that each week, especially if uh, those those dudes out there who are trying to lose some weight or if you're single and you don't like to cook, um, or if you and your wife are just busy, check out PrimalGourmetSC.com. Use the code GCOCK20 for a discount on your first order. But these are chef-prepared um, chef meal plans um, that you can have delivered or pick up every single week. Really, it's an awesome deal, and uh, Chris and I have been eating them, I would say, the last three or four weeks. So it's been been pretty awesome um all right y'all let me see if y'all have any final questions and i'm gonna get out of here uh let's see i don't see any more all right y'all appreciate y'all joining appreciate all of our sponsors appreciate all of you supporting appreciate y'all hanging in there with me as i've been sort of flying solo appreciate chris pascal joining me as a guest at the beginning of the show and hey let's uh Close out the week positively, uh, get into Wednesday, and then uh, we will be back on here with Chris on Wednesday. Then we'll have Thursday, Friday as well, and then uh, we'll all check the game out on Saturday. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Have a good one. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.